Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there is so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there. And you're tired of the wellness fads, endless diets, and impossible standards that make you feel like nothing you do is ever enough. You're ready to tune into your mind and body and feel empowered around health. We're the Healing Trio, here to help you redesign your relationships with food, fitness, and yourself. I'm Elizabeth, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. I'm Maria, licensed mental health therapist. And I'm Tara, personal trainer. Together, we're changing the narrative on health away from diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity and towards healthful self-care. So grab your water bottle, get ready to laugh, learn, and grow. And and let's let's start rebranding your wellness journey. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. I'm Tara, and I'm here with Elizabeth and Maria. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Ren Jones. Ren it has the honor of being the second dude to be on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we recorded an episode like an hour ago with the first dude. Um, <laughs> the theme of the day. Yes, the theme of the day. So you are the second man to be with us. Ren is a certified personal trainer with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. He is certified in sports and exercise nutrition through Precision Nutrition, and he specializes in coaching moms over 30 and has several women-specific professional certifications. After a successful corporate career and a slew of personal tragedies, Ren decided to pivot into the fitness and health industry and hasn't looked back since. Ren, thanks so much for being with us. We are excited to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. I, I may be number two on the list, but I'm number one in your hearts, ladies. Yes. Uh, don't don't yeah, forget that's that. That's the important part. Uh, that's the important. <laughs> that's the only stat that I care about <laughs> is the love. But uh, I'm so excited to be here. And, and I feel privileged to be one of two males that have made the cut for the show. Uh, I hope to not let the entire sex down, uh, <laughs> sex or gender down today. So... I'm eager to see where we go with this conversation because I've already understood that you ladies are phenomenal and the wellness trinity here. So the, lay it on me. Let's dig in. I'm ready to go. Let's start with your story. Tell us yeah. like, where you came from and how you got here. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I always tell this story more so to give perspective as to why I'm in this space, you know, a perceptibly young not really young, but perceptibly young, cisgendered, heterosexual male operating in this women's space. It it leads it leads the imagination in places, but I'm actually here and I and I get that, right? I am I, I will this be this was one of my questions was like yes. how are you specializing yes. in health? I, I will be the most self-aware coach that you talk to at least today. So I I get the perception. I understand it. It was tragedy, unfortunately, for me that led me here. Now, I've always been a, a a wellness person, right? So I started exercising at 15 with my friends. I'm a band geek, a trumpet player, and my friends, American football players, right? So after school, we'd walk home together. Our neighborhood was adjacent to the high school that we went to. And, you know, a couple of times during the early fall semester, I couldn't find them. I didn't know where they were. So where do you guys go? They said, well, we go to the weight room after football practice. I said, well, what's the weight room? He said, it's where you go and exercise. I was like, oh, muscles. Also a comic book geek. I wanted to be an illustrator for Marvel Comics for most of my young teenage life got pretty good at it actually uh and i was like okay i've been drawing these deltoids on spider-man and this quad sweep and serratus muscles 
up near an oblique. So I, I want to look like a superhero because I'm I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. That's what I'm into. Started working out with them. I knew they were wrong about nearly everything that they told me. Great discernment as a 14-year-old boy in sort of 1987, 88. Uh, we didn't know anything. The industry didn't even know anything then. So I started subscribing to magazines, uh, men's fitness, men's health, uh, muscle and fitness, hers, shape magazine, et cetera, et cetera. And just started consuming information from credential professionals who wrote these articles in these advertising booklets that they called magazines back then. My brother was the one that got me into it. My sister was also an athlete. She was six foot even, no shoes. Brother was 5'11", both basketball players. I'm a soccer kid and a band geek. So that was sort of the impetus for exercise for me. Unfortunately, as I got into my later years, I got into university sophomore, junior year at university, got a call from home that my mother had suffered a stroke. I didn't really know what that meant per se at that time. You know, I just knew there was something that you didn't want to have happen. And I remember her having a TIA when I was in high school. She lost consciousness, fell, bumped her nose, uh, but really not having a good understanding about health. Went back home that day from university to school and my mother was in a ball. She was a little knot of effect from that stroke. She had the Bell's palsy. They were asking her questions, the doctor, what year is it? Who's the president? And she was keen to all of that. But I also found out at that time in the hospital, I said, well, what led to this? And, and my brother said, well, you know, she smokes, et cetera, et cetera. Also, we don't know where Robin is. Robin is my older sister. So my brother was 17 when I was born. My sister was 13 when I was born. So I have two much older siblings. And they said, well, we don't know where Robin is. She's addicted to something and we can't find her. They had kept this from me while I was in school. I'm sure as an, an attempt to not distract me while I'm away at college trying to learn. My mother never fully recovered from that massive stroke, knowing what I know now. And I'm sure we'll circle the wagons back to this 60-year-old woman postmenopausal, increased risk of cardiovascular incident. I didn't know any of that at the time. So my mom stayed with my brother and his wife was a registered nurse. Later, you know, probably 10, nine or 10 years after, I'm in my business, right? I'm, I'm corporate sales trainer for an insurance, insurance company. I'm taking an agent out. I've just got promoted. I get a call from my girlfriend at the time. Your brother had a heart attack. Now, my brother had had a myocardial infarction when I was in high school, firefighter, really stressful in the heart, firefighting. You're going from deep sleep to full cortisol release, adrenaline, you name it. And it's not really great on the cardiovascular system. So I, I said, okay, I'm on my way home. And she paused and she said, Rodney didn't make it. Apparently, my brother had a massive heart attack in his home. His wife had gotten a call from her adult son, who was not my brother's child, she took a shower. My brother was on the phone. He said, hey, Keenan's on the phone. She said, I'll, I'll talk to him after the shower. Uh, she gets out of the shower and asks, what did Keenan want? And my brother does not reply. My sister-in-law got into the shower, married, and she got out a widow. My brother had a massive coronary episode, and it was that was it. That was the end of his life. Four years later, my mother moves in with my older sister, who is rehabilitated at this point. She's there with her husband. I'm coming in from the road again. This is uh, four years later, almost exactly. It's October 2011. My brother died October 2007. Uh, I get a call from her. I talk to her, hang up the phone with her. 
Her husband calls back, which was not unusual because my sister was a talker. She would talk her cell phone until it died. And then she would call from her husband's cell phone. So I answered, I said, what do you want, Robin? And it was her husband, Alvis. And he said, your sister was in an accident. She didn't make it. She drank, got in a car, had a single car accident with a tree, probably a hundred feet or so from the turn into her neighborhood. My brother-in-law, who was a dialysis patient, uh, started to refuse his dialysis. 90 days to the day that my sister died, my brother-in-law passed away. My mother's heading into palliative care because her condition has worsened so much from the stroke. For 17 years of her life, she no longer had her independence. I'm sitting in the palliative care facility with my mother, stressing over my job, which is corporate sales. Um, I see a commercial for National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I feel like this commercial is talking to me. Oh my gosh, do you love fitness? I'm like, yeah, I really do like fitness. Are you tired of your dead end job? I was like, yeah, I really am tired of it. But are you concerned about the cost of becoming a trainer? I was like, yeah, I am concerned. So NESM has a specialist month. Call the 800 number. Ladies, I dialed the number from my mother's bedside. Uh, got enrolled in November of 2012. No, 2013, November 2013. Studied from November until the next year. My mother died on February 21st, March 17th. I took the proctored exam for NESM. I passed it. I cried like a baby all the way home from the testing facility. April, I turned 40. May, I was a full-time trainer and I haven't looked back. Now, I know I went deep into that story, but I think it's necessary for listeners to be able to connect to the impetus for me of working with the population that I work with as a caveat, unfortunate caveat, 2020, I'm studying for my on online trainer academy level two certification. Proud to say that I was the first person to ever graduate with that certification under Jonathan Goodman. Wow. But my, my baby sister dies in 2020. Similar circumstances to my older sister, product of my father's second marriage. I wasn't raised with her, but alcohol, prescription medication. So these things sort of are the guideposts of my career as a fitness professional who, number one, understands that women are over-marketed to and generally underserved in the wellness space. And number three, wants to have generational impact on families. And I find that that path leads better through the gate of the woman who is probably head of household and probably the, has the most influence over wellness in the household. And that's why I typically work with moms over 30, although I do work with women from time to time. I hope I didn't cheat you out of too many questions and I'm gonna be quiet now, that's a lot. Well, but Ren, first of all, thank you for sharing your story because if, thought, if something is clear to me now is that this is important to you. Yes. That you found a way to channel what you value and a, with yes. purpose. So yes. I, I don't know you personally. I've never been trained by you, but I can only imagine the passion and the care yes. that you put in your job on a day-to-day -day basis. And for that, from a woman, mom over 30, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. It's uh, it's mission work for me, uh, yeah. and and the beauty, the beauty of having a, a deep purpose. And all three of you know this. I'm sure you've all had some contact with exercises like the five whys 
you try to get down to the roots of why somebody wants to do something. The beauty of having a distinct and purposeful why is that it steers you clear of a lot of the, I'm going to say a bad word, please forgive me. It steers you clear of a lot of the bullshit that you can get yeah. interacted with yeah. in, a, in our in yeah. our space here. I'm not a before and after guy. I'm not a, uh, you have weight loss is what health is guy. I'm not a shirtless oil me up, watch me exercise on the internet guy. Like that. There's so many things that are for me, from my perspective and not in any way condemning other coaches strategies. This is a tough business. You have to make money. I get it. But for me, there are so many things that are normalized that, that are so many levels down from what I'm looking to get accomplished, they just become entirely irrelevant to me for, for lack of a better explanation. So, but thank you for, for connecting with me in that human way as, as I share that story. It's important for me to share that story because it's someone else's story, number one. Number two, I think as coaches, we need to be humanized more because the people that, are, that need us although they may gravitate and enjoy the spectacle, the entertainment of our perceived perfection, it doesn't make us any more approachable, right? And I, and I think that's, I think that's a, I think that's something that probably feels counterintuitive, particularly for coaches who operate online, will cite at some point that the deity came down in human form to engage with humanity in order to better lead them for lack of a better term I, I think it's time that a lot of us uh, a lot of us perfect wellness coaches step off the I only eat salad pedestal and the I have a six-pack pedestal and I love working out eight days a week for three hours at a time pedestal I think it's serving <laughs> entertainment and it pushes the social media numbers but it doesn't help people it they does. don't feel comfortable interacting with coming to us, telling them about their lack of perfection perceived right. in this area. So I like to lead with that story, man, because, yeah. you know, stuff gets messed up sometimes. And it's a real story. And same in the mental health field. If those therapists that here's how you raise your kids, great. And this is how you feel good all the time. Yes. Does not help. Neither is what most people experience. Right. No, so no. Again, thank you for that. Yeah. No humanity there. No. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you were that guy that posts the uh, oiled up shirtless selfies on Instagram and before and afters, it's safe to say we wouldn't have had this conversation on the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also safe to say that none of us eat only salads or have six packs. Right. S same. Same. I, I struggle with the perception that some that some people in our industry lead with because I'm like, have you never had pizza? Because pizza's pretty damn good. Like, you're, you're just not ever going to have pizza? Yeah. Yeah, if the pineapples aren't on it. Shout out to Jonathan Goodman. He'd be interested <laughs> at that point. Um, but yeah, man, I'm like, there's this whole spectrum of existence. And everything as wide as the spectrum of existence is, it's also condensed to this finite box, right? The amount of time that passed before I ever became a thing is almost infinite, right? The amount of time that will pass after I'm no longer a thing will be infinite. It's too big to wrap your brain around. I just know that I don't want to go through that little dash without ever having eaten a donut. Like, <laughs> it just, 
It just doesn't equate for me. Like, I, I don't know how you could be aware and cognizant and mindful of your limited time. And also for the sheer purposes of how you look on a, on a, on a photo, deny yourself so much of the beauty of what that existence is. And some of that is sugar sometimes, right? Some of it's bread. Some of it's not working out. So you can leave early to go to the mountains, right? Like mm -hmm. all of that, we have replaced life with a need to dive into perceived wellness, but the wellness is supposed to serve the life, right? The life isn't supposed to serve the wellness. And I think that's where we get things misconstrued, particularly with what we see on social media, which is supposed to be sensational and salacious and and polarizing, I get it, but I think I think there's another. I think there's a big gray area, and that's where most of my content tends to originate from. Yeah. Hey, um, Ren, if this was America's Got Talent, and I was one of the judges, with what you just said, I would push my golden get buzzer. the golden buzzer. Yes. <laughs> so here you go. Wow. Always wanted that golden buzzer. Fun fact: I spent my twenties trying to become a vocal entertainer. Uh, an R&B singer with the group. And we made it all the way to Showtime at the Apollo with Steve Har Harvey. Uh, wow. I, oh yeah, I, I, I did that. I'm, I'm multifaceted. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of like a Forrest Gumpish type person. Like I just keep showing up in weird places that you don't expect, but it's all true that Robert Zemeckis fabricated most of that story. Mine's real. I appreciate so much my first ever golden buzzer. I, you know, you I, I said I wasn't going to cry. Uh, but you're pushing me to the edge here. No, no fair. You're playing hardball over there on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> but if one of us was going to be on America's Got Talent, it would probably be Maria. Yeah, definitely Maria. She's got I the believe. moves and the singing voice. And, and there's the golden buzzer. You were going nice. to say something. And I kind of interrupted you. I was going, going to say something that I feel like is now three sentences ago. Oh, what I was going to say is that I to wholeheartedly agree with Maria. I will give you the second golden buzzer. You yes. As the dietitian in the group, I believe that food should fit into your life. Your life should not fit around yes. And if it does, there's, you know, that may be a clue that there's some disordered eating going on. So maybe so wholeheartedly agree with everything that you just said. And I'm curious. So of the, the people that you work with, mm -hmm. what do you think is their typically their biggest barrier to sort of making some helpful behavioral lifestyle changes? Is, uh, is the 80s an acceptable answer? <laughs> yeah, eighties equals diet culture. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I, I, I would I would blame pretty much everything that I encounter on on the eighties. Look, the eighties was so pervasive, particularly for women, in the context. Yeah, I mean, in the context of how of how women were taught to relate to their bodies, right? Um, in the context of how how misapplied nutritional standards were in the 80s in the context of the gentle systemic brainwashing of a teen beat magazine cover or or a or a or a cartoon where the where the larger bodied friend was the buffoon or the or the bad guy yep. right 
there's a stream of 80s productions where everyone that's the bad guy is in a larger size body. In terms of Olivia Newton-John getting physical, that weird eye contact and grinding scene from Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta. I mean, just you, the, the slim fast of it all, right? The special K of it all. That lady had on a red one-piece suit and she dove into water, y'all, and it didn't splash. The water didn't <laughs> splash. Special, I mean, it's just, it was such a pervasive time. And I think the, I think the boomers, I'm Gen X, I'm 49, around in the quarter to 50, but I think the boomers, led conversations in households that fed into bias, body bias, and, and the implicit bias about a certain body. And I heard that language in my home with three different generations of women. My mother and father were only married for the first five years of my existence. They divorced, I have a great relationship with him. But in my home, it was my grandmother, my mother's mom, my, who was 70-ish, my mother who at the time that I became, at the time that she had a stroke was 60. So I, I just remember my, my answer was my mom was 50, right? When people asked when I was like 10, 11, 12, how old your mom? She was 50. She was 50 for like 12 years. Uh, <laughs> and, and then my sister who 13 years, my senior, who had the worst menstrual cycles I'd ever, I have ever experienced in a woman since. I learned in an early age how to get at that time, the hot water bottle, uh, how to do a, a back rub and how to be quiet and bring the shades down. So I'm in that house and I hear amongst these women uh, bias conversation, bias language about bodies, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's the duty of Gen X to sort of, as they've taken on a lot of these unmaskings, we see the unmasking of therapy through Gen X, right? We need to talk about things. We see the masking of the unmasking of Menopause now, big cresting wave of menopause. We need to talk about this. We we talked about the corp the, the corporal punishment as a as a generation. We need to talk about that. And I think the same thing with um with body bias, body shaming, um, so that we don't repeat that to millennial Gen Z, et cetera, et cetera. So hey, I, I get it, man. Like there's there's a lot that's inundated my population now. And a lot of the language that I hear back from them, I can trace it right back to a mom or a dad who made some flippant comment at the, I hear things like, yeah, I was sitting, well, I remember I was nine years, and women remember this vividly. I, I remember I was nine years old and I just came in from playing and I had on my, my play clothes because I had to take my school clothes off, quote unquote, and my play clothes were from last year. And I just remember my dad saying, Oh my goodness, baby, those thighs are busting out of those shorts, right? And 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 for lack of discernment, a lack of emotional intelligence, a, a well-meaning dad or mom says something like that. And I never understood the power of words until I started working with this population because I have so many women will take a nugget like that and they have internalized for the last 30 years of their life. And it is the basis for their perception of themselves, not only physically, but as a, as in, in terms of their own morality. Right. And, and that's so damaging. So to answer your question, I've over answered it now, but that's a lot of the language that I hear. And that's a lot of my understanding about why that language seeps out in such an sort of unregulated way. I hope that's a good answer to that question. But or 
You could choose answer B, the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good question. I mean, it is a great answer. And you're right. Those comments cut deep and they are lasting and feels like an appropriate time to refer people to our episode about why we should all avoid making comments about bodies, good, what perceived good, bad, or otherwise, mm-hmm. because they may not be perceived that way from the person hearing them. And I would also throw in your, as someone who I feel like I spend all day, every day fighting against diet culture and weight bias and changing the narrative, you're far more optimistic than I am that we can leave it in the 80s. I still, you're right, it was particularly toxic, but it, it's still very toxic in many, many spaces, even today. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, for me, what, one, of the, one of the sort of ground rules that I have for myself is deploying as much cultural humility as I can, right? And in this case, culturally, I cannot share the experience of a woman, right? There's no way for me to do that. I regulate that by using something that I call a seesaw of empathy, thereby two sides of a seesaw. And I understand that when my experience lacks, personal experience lacks, the empathy side of that seesaw needs to be remarkably high. I can get away with dropping it. I'm going to give you a golden buzzer for that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I can get away with lowering that side a bit if I have a bit more experience. However, that side can never touch the ground. It's, it, it can only go to a midway point. We need at least as much empathy as experience. Uh, but when you said that, I had to think about the fact that I am in a perceptibly straight body, right? My observation of a thing will never be as valid or all understanding as your experience with that same thing. So I have to respect the fact that for me, it may feel like it's diminished, but I don't walk around in anyone else's body or situation or gender ever. And I have to take more than taking their word. I have to understand that they cannot be wrong about their experience. And I have no reason to deny, debate, or sort of reduce that experience. So I understand and empathize with that statement and where you're coming from, because I get to experience this in a in a relatively safe bubble as the expert. I'm using quote fingers again for people who are listening to a podcast. Um, but as the expert, um, it doesn't trump it doesn't trump experience. It doesn't and it doesn't allow me to negate the cultural humility necessary to regulate that seesaw of empathy. Thank you for saying that, because I need to hear that more often than I need to talk about it. And I'm going to be quiet again. Yeah, I feel like I'm talking so much. It's a good point. I mean, I do feel like I should interject that I I also have lots of thin privilege. I got to tell you though, my experience, no woman gets a pass, right? There's there's something about an overtly patriarchal society. There's something about the, um, what's it called? Reverse misogyny. There's just something about it that will not let a woman rest at any stage of existence and someone will invariably say oh you need a sandwich you need and i'm in the south so you know how that southern thing goes oh honey bless your heart honey you need a biscuit you need to eat something you could be sitting there a size 22 and someone will say you need to run or you need to walk or you need to exercise you'd be a size eight and someone will say you know your your butt's too big you could be a size six and someone will say uh you're probably start i mean it's just 
the noise is so never ending for someone like me who has not had to deal with this personally. It's like, it's like there's a big, huge steel door and inside there's death metal music. Shout out to death metal. I can't hear it at all from the outside, but every time I crack that freaking door, man, it's just, it's an overwhelming, it's a cacophony of mumble. And, and it's, I, I, you know, hats off to you ladies. It bothers me so much that I just can't understand how bothered you are, you all are by it constantly. And I, I try to do my part to pair with the, the women that I'm privileged enough to serve, but man, you, you can't be with somebody 24 hours a day. Like there's no way to be a constant shield, not that they need that, but the hero complex in me, remember Marvel Comics nerd, I think I'm Spider-Man, wants to save everybody from what they're enduring. And it's just so, I don't think that, I don't think that many, and I don't want to generalize, but I, I really don't think that many men, even male trainers, really understand the, the, the depth and breadth of that constant freaking noise from everywhere. God, God bless you, ladies. Man. That feels very vindicating for me. Like, oh, it is loud. Yeah. And Ren, I do think you're doing your part. You're yeah, definitely doing your sure. part. Um, I'm, I'm trying to. So Ren, thank you so much for doing this episode with us. I mean, thank you for an episode, um, a fun episode, touching, real, informative. Yes. Thank you very much. How can people find you? If they oh, want man. more about you. I, ma I made it easy. So my brand is Fitness Jones Training. The word fitness, my last name, Jones, and then the word training. And everywhere you go, you can find me that way. I'm I'm at Fitness Jones Training on the, on the Insta, the Instagram, Fitness Jones Training on Facebook, websites, fitnessjonestraining.com. You can't miss. Uh, again, I made it so easy that even a man can do it uh, because I knew I'd have to do it. So... I don't want to complicate Where are you located, Ren? You said on the South. Where are you located? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. My home is Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is the home of R.J. Reynolds, uh, your Nabisco, your Reynolds rap. It's also the home of Haynes, the Haynes family. T-shirts and underwear, they're from Winston-Salem. And it's the home of Krispy Kreme. So I grew up on Krispy Kreme. It was founded in, in that little city, Winston-Salem. So... Best donuts ever by the, from my it's so good. So good. I'm just saying nothing so like good. a warm Krispy Kreme. It's just so I remember being a little kid standing at that window inside watching them make those donuts and just thinking it was I thought it was elfin magic, although everyone was taller than me and pretty much still is. But I loved <laughs> I loved watching those Krispy and they used to give you a little paper hat. It was the best thing ever. I forget I forgot to mention where I was and where I was from. Thank you so much for asking that. Do you, but you do train online, correct? So people- 100% online. Uh, I, I let my clients know in November, 2019. No, in, in January, 2019, I told, told all of my in-person clients, I will be online only as of January, 2020. And who knew? <laughs> I, came, I came off looking like a prophet, like I'm Gandalf the Gray or something, but you know, then everybody ended up online January, 2020, or at least March. But I was 40 when I started and knew right away, standing up all day from like 5.30 a.m. until about 9 p.m. 
it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna work for the old man here. So I was online in 2014 when I started. I started in person and online at the same time, and then slowly worked my way out of being in person. So, ladies, if you're out there and you need a coach, wink, wink. I'm everywhere. Just just log on. And I'm happy to help you. That was my pitch. That wasn't a great ad. The, the Wellness Trinity was much better marketing than the ad that I just delivered, with, without question. Well, I was going to say, I, I feel like the whole episode was... It's good marketing. <laughs> I mean, people can feel your energy and your message. Yeah. And nice. If they're looking for... No vibe. Yeah. Now, I've, I've, got a, I've got a request, ladies, before you let me go. I want to be the first man that's done two episodes here. <laughs> you, are, you already let me down. You let, you let some bloke sneak okay. in before me i'm sure he's a lovely gentleman uh but you let some guy sneak in before me i can i can deal with that that's okay but i need to be the first guy to come back twice all right so what's your topic number two what do you want to talk about next well, we never we never get really got around to the first topic so i know that's what i was thinking <laughs> I, I got topics in the bag now we're go, going right in on menopause next time now now that your listeners know me and we're all God. friends we're all best friends now we can just dive right into the topic next time. And I got plenty to deliver on that subject. Yeah. And I thank you for saying that because I we I think we were probably all thinking that we never got to the first topic and it is important. Right. I want to hear your perspective on it. But you had so many other interesting to, things to say right. that we, we right. talked about exactly what the listeners needed to hear on this episode. That's the way the universe works. I'm absolutely okay with it. Thank you so much again, everyone out there, for listening to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. Um, the second episode is a deal, so hopefully we'll have you back very soon. And for all our listeners in the Annapolis area, I'm going to have next year something called the Emotional Fitness Studio. It's going to be 24 wellness workshops throughout the year. So if you're in the area, please visit my website, thecoachingtherapies.com. All the information is going to be there soon. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with me outside of this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at coaching underscore therapist. I'm Elizabeth. You can find me at Elizabeth Harris Nutrition or in my Facebook group, Health and Healing with Intuitive Eating. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Tara DeLeon Fitness. Guys, if you loved this episode or any of our other episodes, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps us get the non-diet word out to the rest of the world. So please leave us a review. Yes, thank you. 